Hello, welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm James Carey. And we're not in the same room. We're using the uh, power of new technology. And hopefully we will still have a, a sitcom that will... Uh, you won't even notice the thing that I've just told you that you shouldn't have noticed anyway. Yeah. Uh, and but, also, it's really not new technology. We've been able to do this for years. We just haven't, we just <laughs> if we're absolutely honest. That's yeah. true. Uh, our, yeah. James is very good at this stuff. I am a technophobe. And there's your answer as to why. Um, so, Happy New Year. Uh, new Year, and we've... Uh, got we thought we'd do a kind of just just talk generally about uh some, some sort of general advice uh for for writing a kind of kind of catch up uh that's something we haven't done for a while so it's, it's worth uh looking at uh especially i was thinking in relation to the uh, writers guild awards which um we talked about uh, in the last podcast. Uh, I actually went to the uh, Writers Guild Award ceremony, uh, and so I've got a few kind of uh, thoughts that are, have come from that. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about. And also, we've got a couple of questions uh, from uh, yes. some of our Patreon uh, members that we shall be dealing with. So, yes, why don't we start with those? The Patreon, um, and you can be a Patreon uh, person yourself if you want to help and support this. Uh, podcast. Uh, we have an interview with uh, Toby Davis uh, coming up very soon and we had to hire a room to interview him because of various practical reasons and we were able to do it because we have Patreon supporters. Uh, in order to interview Graham Linehan um, we were able to get train fares to Norwich where he lives rather comically and, um, yeah. and it meant that you know we could actually do do the podcast so in a way it would have been stupid to have got train fares to Norwich if he hadn't lived there that's uh yeah that would have been really stupid yes that's right or just decided we only had enough money to get as far (laughs) as uh you know somewhere halfway along the line and turn around and come back so um so we're giving priority to our patreon listeners for these questions on this episode and you can and also we've just recorded some patreon only uh, episodes so lots of goodies there if you want to go and have a look over on patreon and there'll be a link uh, in the show notes and also on our facebook page but here's the first question and um, let's go from the one from uh, paco uh, garcia um who has also his avatar as a picture of uh, one of the mongrels i think isn't it um from right. uh, the show Mongrels, uh-huh. and uh, he has said that he thinks six to eight episodes per series or year is the best format for a sitcom, and that 24 episodes is probably too many. He says he's never watched all the seasons of any of his favourite American sitcoms, except maybe Friends, and that was mainly through peer pressure. <laughs> um, and apparently Friends is now unwatchable because of intersectional politics. Yeah. Um, and he says, I either lose interest or end up having end up kind of hating them. Discuss. I think that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I think, first of all, and again, these are all things that are, that are changing, but, but historically, uh, British sitcoms were written by one person. They were one person's vision, and that one person uh, could just about manage to write six episodes a year, um, <clears throat> which is quite a lot for one person. Uh, America, it's more an industry, and they churn out 24 episodes, and they have lots and lots of writers. Uh, so that that's... That was the difference. Obviously, uh, it, it's kind of changing. It's been, it, we've been getting more American, and the Americans have been getting more like us. Uh, so, so it's it's not quite that simple. Um, my, I, I've become through this kind of binge watching uh, culture that we now have. I've become quite a fan of the, the, the sort of twenty four episodes, especially any show that you can watch with the young kids. Having young kids now, absolutely, yeah. Um, so having got into modern family uh a couple of years ago uh we 
sat and binge watched our way through all eight or nine series or however many there, there have been um and you know it is it's just once you start i'm afraid you know it's quite hard to stop and current currently uh plowing through the gilmore girls uh which which i'm, I'm really really enjoying um so I, I, I and you know you just you you get so invested in the characters so if you really like a show and the longer it goes on uh you just you know you just can't get enough and if there's enough there 100 plus episodes then yeah get by all means how about you james yeah i'm i i'm very similar to you in that respect and i think in a sense we have a different uh, maybe we have a different approach to some of our listeners who in some ways treat comedy as if it's wine and therefore they like to taste wine and enjoy a bottle of wine and then try a different wine. And that's, that's, and that's fine. Um, and um, whereas we would treat um, comedy more like beer, which is we, we like beer and we know that we like that beer. And when I fancy a beer, I want to know that I'm going to like the beer. Yeah. Um, and this is partly why I don't watch many movies, because every movie is reinventing the wheel to some extent. And I find after half an hour of watching lots of movies, I just think, I don't think this is a very good movie. And I've just wasted half an hour. And I now have to decide whether to waste the next hour or not, or two hours. Yeah. Um, and I just think that the, 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 the sitcoms that, uh, are, that Paco is referring to here is, um, are the mass-produced ones that... Uh, that I would say are more like you know are more like cookies. They're regular. They're all they're all basically the same. But that's okay because I like cookies in the same way that I like Pringles, and I, yeah. I don't want the Pringles to taste differently halfway <laughs> through the tube. Um, and so I think if if you are sort of using comedy as a way of enjoying yourself and laughing, I think that's where twenty four episodes works very nicely. If, however, you are a a comedy connoisseur. You like the sort of the story arc stuff and you like the boutiqueness of a sitcom and you like the small and perfectly formed thing. Mm. And I think we've mentioned in the past as well how we always think that this great, you know, that Faulty Towers, they made 12 perfect episodes and stopped and that they had nothing else to say. And therefore, lots of other people have come after that and said, no, Faulty Towers only did 12 and will only do 12. Well, they yeah. only did 12 because they got divorced. I mean, yeah. that's <laughs> sort of legally, financially, emotionally, yeah. psychologically impossible for them to write more. Um, so, um, and actually, as, as you said, I mean, in the, in the old days when sitcoms were sort of more general purpose mass entertainment, they were only doing six or eight because they were written by one person and yeah. it wasn't normal. It was, wasn't unheard of. I remember when we interviewed Eric Chappell um, last year, he said that they, he was part of a writing team for one or two other shows or he had other writers on one or two other shows that he did and it didn't tend to work very well because it just wasn't really a thing in the right. UK as it was mm. in, the, in America. So... I, I think sitcoms that are doing 24 in a series and those that are doing six nowadays are doing something different. You wouldn't yeah. want to watch 24 episodes of Fleabag uh, in a year, would you? <laughs> no. Um, you couldn't survive that. No. Um, I'm not sure Phoebe Waller-Bridge... Uh, I'm not sure well, she exactly. did... Uh, and, that, and, that's, yeah. and, and it's another factor that, um, that I wrote about on my blog of, uh, a year or two ago was how... One of the downsides of moving to the writer-performer thing 
is that the mm. pressure on the writer performer is enormous and it's only unless you're as clearly deranged and motivated as someone like Lee Mack that you can just keep going back and doing more and more and more and more yeah. whereas normally and he has a small team and, and Dave you're, you're part of that extended team mm. um, but as a rule if we want mass produced sitcoms um, and I think we do and we should then we need to embrace the team and we need to step step away from the writer performer but that's yeah. um, you know and there's a place for all of it you know you don't want every show to be like that and people like Detectorist and Fleabag and shows that I tend not to like so much because and therefore I'm watching I'm just pleased at the Goldbergs is back on E4 because that is right. just a reliable funny 22 yeah. minutes yes. Beverly Goldberg is one of my favourite comedy characters um, right. I think possibly ever um, she's just amazing. I keep um, nearly getting to watch the Goldbergs and then for, forgetting that. It, oh yes, that, that's when it was on. And remembering at eight o'clock that it was on at seven thirty and things like that. So right, uh, I need to. Uh, well, once you've binged all of Modern Family, maybe you can start on the Goldbergs. Yeah. Well, we have, uh, but we've got another four seasons of Gilmore Girls to go, and uh, ah, right, okay. they're forty well, minutes well, long each one. So that's ah, uh, yes. that's going to take a while, I think. Um, okay. So, um, thank you for your question, Paco. And as a Patreon subscriber, you can ask as many questions as you like, and we will do our best to get to them. Mm. Um, we uh, have another question from Maxine the... Jones. Go on. Uh, I was just going to say uh, one question that we were uh, asked was uh, well, two questions really. What's the worst thing you've ever written, and uh, what's the best thing you've ever written? And we've actually answered them. And if you want to know the answer to that, and uh, we talked about that in some depth, then uh, sign up to Patreon, and you can find out. Yeah. Great. So the next question is from Maxine Jones. Hello, Maxine. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you. Um, you said you are just embarking on sitcom writing project for the first time with a fellow stand-up. Any pitfalls to avoid? <laughs> or can't you generalise? Oh, boy, we can generalise. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dave, I think you have expertise yeah, in this well, area. Well, imagine you're uh, starting a new relationship uh, with, you know, you're going, you're going out with someone, um, and that's it's 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 sort of a little bit like that. Only it's not that kind of relationship. But um, you've obviously you something has clicked with you and another person. Some, something that clicks that they make you laugh, or and you make them laugh. Hopefully, but uh, remember that you are still very much too. Uh, strong individuals with with your own viewpoints uh that the hardest thing i find is um to listen uh listen to the other person and uh accept that what they're saying uh even if you disagree with it then uh you you have to sort of give them the space and i i'm i I, I think of, I think that I'm very good at listening, um, and then I realise that actually uh, I've been saying stuff, and I become aware that um, maybe I'm sort of bullying the other person into my uh, my idea and my viewpoint. So you you, you have to give each other uh, the space to, to to try stuff out. The other uh, and the other side of that is if you say something and the other person says I don't think that's funny. Um, you kind of have to accept it. Um, you, there, there are some battles that are worth fighting, but if you say something to me and it doesn't make me laugh the first time, I'm going to struggle to laugh at it the second time and the third and the fourth and the fifth. Uh, I don't mm. know if, how, if that's... No, that's a good one. That's a rule that generally... 
Richard and I have employed um, is that in a way you need to have confidence or at least be prepared to give it a try that together you are funnier and better than you are individually. And therefore you need to be producing stuff that you're both happy with. And actually I think that if you produce stuff that you're both happy with and you have overlapping but not identical viewpoints or comic perspectives or whatever you want to call it, that you will come up with something that is both sort of more distinctive and yet also more appealing potentially. So in a way, you're, between you, your first draft, if it's making both of you happy, is yeah. going to be much uh, stronger than somebody else's first draft who doesn't who hasn't been able to filter it against anybody else or anything else. They've just sort of put stuff down. And so in a way, you are sort of, between the two of you you could potentially be four times better um but in order to reap those rewards you do have to uh basically be prepared to let go of stuff and find stuff that you are both confident in it's very rare that richard or i will basically say uh that joke's no good um and the other one says well i think you know well if we're not doing it then forget it or you know we don't really throw our toys we always, almost always, find a third way, um, yeah. and a third way that we're both happy with. And actually, I, I'm usually confident that that third thing that we're both happy with, rather than that one of us is happy with, is actually going to be better, yeah. um, or is certainly going to be uh, is 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 going to be at least as good. Yeah. And that's hard. So I think that's hard. It takes a while. Um, but it's, it is like getting married and unfortunately, you know, lots of people now get divorced. Yeah. Um, well, that's the other thing as well. Being, but marriage is hard. So, you yeah. know, that's, that is a hard thing to do. Yeah. If it, it it's, and it, you know, it, it, it doesn't always work out. Uh, and that's another thing, um, that you kind of have to accept because, you know, there are so many, uh, factors that you can't possibly know about until you sit in a room with that person and say right we are having to come up with an idea and we're having to write a script or whatever so you know if it doesn't work and yeah. a co comedy is you know often it's like one person it's so much of it is about one person on stage being funny um <clears throat> especially if you're both stand-ups anyway uh you know it's it, it, don't don't beat yourself up if it's not working straight away and just be you know and, and enjoy each other's uh company enjoy the things that you like about each other as well yeah. so so that will help strengthen the relationship i think yeah and also i think be comfortable with the fact that not only are you different in terms of personality uh, i don't know possibly gender uh you know philosophical outlook i mean all those things are actually a good thing uh because otherwise you're just you know amplifying each other's um, prejudices and you know and uh and outlooks but bear in mind also that you'll be good at different things and that you're not letting the other one down by not being as good at certain things that they are and vice versa yeah uh, what i mean by that is so when i write with richard uh he is really good at um analysis of why something might work or not work and also what the trajectory of that idea will be yeah and he's also a very strong completer finisher so he, right. he is a he is much more patient than me and he is able to see a process through to the sometimes bitter end and mm. and insist that the edit 
uh, is absolutely to his satisfaction. And if it's to his satisfaction, it's to my satisfaction, that's for sure. So I try to keep up with the complete and finisher stuff, but I know that I can sort of let him get on with it. However, I'm usually quite, and I think Richard knows that I'm quite strong at the start of a process when we have a blank sheet of paper and I can basically, without much effort, come up with 15, 20, 30, 40 ideas. And and then we've immediately got stuff to talk about and he then is quite good at filtering those quite quickly and picking up on the ones that are interesting or surprising or will have and so we've sort of embraced our strengths and and our weaknesses and so I think that's something also to learn is sort of have in the back of your mind what are they good at what are what are you good at and complement each other on them rather than feeling that you have to be good at the same things because you don't and actually if you were good at the same things there wouldn't be much point in you writing together yeah and and halving the money should it ever come to that <laughs> yes that's a that's a good point uh yeah so and uh, similarly the writer that i'm working with at the moment i mean he he's very good at uh coming up with with ideas he he, he has a lot of stuff in his head uh that he can't always get onto the page and I, I, what I'm quite good at is is the, my from my journalist days I ask him the questions uh, yeah. and uh, I wait until he says something that's a comedy thing and I say yes that's right and I write that down and so we kind of build build it that way but um, I know that he's very strong on that and, uh, yeah. and also journalistically you've got the and also as now as a, having been a writer for many many even longer years um, you you will just start typing yeah. And um, and it's quite often people who are less experienced are sort of terrified that the first thing they type is going to be awful. And we as ex- more experienced writers know, well, of course, the first thing you're going to write is going to be awful. Well, um, funnily enough, it's actually the other way around with us because he, he actually he, he, he will splurge something out. And uh, then I'm, right. I'm quite good at editing. So that's um, okay. that, that, that's that's ah, OK. Well. That's OK. Yeah. Well, there you go. You sort of figured it out. And that's yeah. <laughs> and that's all to the good. That's it. And we all lived happily Great. ever after. <laughs> yes, yes. So, Maxine, I hope those are some useful things. We we look forward to hearing um, dispatches from your uh, writers' meetings, uh, obviously in confidence. Uh, but uh, it would be interesting to know. Uh, I how want that names. Out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, we want blow by blow accounts. Yeah. Um, so, and so, um, we're going to move on now to talk about the Writers Guild Awards, um, which we talked about last time. But Dave subsequently went off to the Glittering Awards in London's <laughs> Glittering West End. Yeah, um, not they're quite pretty, the West End. I went the year before, and they're pretty good, aren't they? They're, they're quite posh and it is know, quite feels posh, like a special thing. And it's quite high profile now, especially now there's no British Comedy Awards, uh, and, and, and it's slowly working its way up uh, the, the, the ladder of awards that people have heard about. It's not televised yet, but who knows? Um, who they, knows? Have, they have uh, very good hosts. They had v- uh, Vicky Pepperdine hosted it this time. Um, the reason I want to talk about it, and we've already touched on some of the things uh, in, the, in the questions, is uh, because it made me think about uh, just, just general uh, ideas about writing and, and things that we often forget um and a few of those came back to us uh if you listen to the podcast we did uh with the uh chairs of the uh, tv and uh online awards we had neil forsyth who wrote that uh, brilliant comedy eric ernie and me about eddie braben uh which was on over christmas uh, i don't know if you remember but uh, neil said that the key to writing good short online sketches uh is keep cutting keep cutting and keep cutting which of course when you're writing something that's 
two minutes long is a pretty good piece of advice. Uh, anyway, at the awards, I've I've uh, uh, I, I collared uh, a friend, cornered a friend who is a quite a successful novelist now because I I thought oh I want to write a novel. Um, now there's a thing for a writer to say yeah. oh I'm writing a novel as Peter Cook yeah. uh, said yes neither am I. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, I I'd, um, I sort of she, she, I managed to twist her arm. She has agreed she will read my my first three chapters. Uh, and she said the main advice I can give you is keep cutting, keep cutting, keep cutting, uh, which which did surprise me because I thought oh you've got to write eighty thousand words in a novel. Surely keep writing, keep writing, keep writing. But uh, so it basically it doesn't matter whatever you're writing. Uh, you know you've got to you, you you've got to write too much. You've got to keep pairing it back and always you know lose the stuff that you think is great uh if it's getting in the way so keep cutting and cutting that's that that's my first piece of advice uh do you have that is very good advice and it's i mean and yeah you don't want to do that too early but you still want to do yeah to do that yeah okay uh what's the next thing uh the next thing on the list then is uh just because you're good at one thing that doesn't mean that you'll definitely be good at another um so that's one of the things that happened in eric ernie and me uh which which uh was that uh they were obviously they were very very successful live performers uh and eddie braben uh in the sh- in the program as you see is uh he doesn't think that they work on telly and he's probably right and then he meets them in the pub and they're chatting away afterwards and he says oh that's that's what i want to get that's what i'm trying to get so if you if you are and this is partly why i mentioned uh with the questions from maxine as uh, two stand-ups you know you are you might be very good at stand-up you might be getting audiences laughing at your stand-up material but if you want to be performing on the telly as well or if you want to be writing for people you need character and you know kind of uh registering with people and being uh i suppose being intimate with the camera uh and getting Mm. into people's living rooms you have to uh develop the character side i think that's something that uh I, i picked up i suppose more from watching that uh the uh eddie braben program um, and i wonder if that's why um it's a good question and was uh, we're talking about it because obviously neil forsyth uh, the chair of the online judges award wrote the eric ernie and me uh thing um but yeah it was i think eric so i think eddie braben was struggling uh just to sort of connect with them because they were just sort of doing gags and routines yeah. that really didn't have anything in them and i wonder if that's why it is interesting how to me it seems a no-brainer that that you know Tim Vine should have been on our televisions uh, for you know ten years ago and have his own show and the same with Milton Jones, yeah. um, and you know uh, the Canadian chap as well as it Stuart Francis, um, and various other people. But the problem with jokes is they're sort of it's you need a more of a strong character there. And obviously Milton's developed a character and we do a radio show with him, but I think people kind of get getting through that screen with a character is really hard to do. And yeah, the, undoubtedly, Braben's genius was not. I mean, Eric was obviously uh, the naturally one of the funniest, naturally funny men you know, produced in this country since Chaucer mm. um, or Shakespeare or whatever. Yeah. But he, but Ernie sort of wasn't funny, and there was a very lovely little moment in that thing where he was sort of uh, where 
Eddie Braben was showing how Ernie could be funny. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just think that's sort of just turning these things and they have to be tweaked in order to get through and move on to the next stage. And so it's always hard to know because we're always telling people stick to your guns and fail on your own terms and all those sorts of things. And yet you have to know when to adapt. You have to know when to uh, to tweak things in order to make the next medium uh, work. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Yes, yes, it, it, it is. But I, I think, you know, if you keep coming back to uh, the, the, the point about what, who, what is the character? Who am I? Why, you know, what, what do I want in, in this scene? Uh, why, if it's a sitcom, why don't I get it? What is it? What, what, yeah. what's, what is it about me that stops me getting what I want? Uh, so it sort of keeps coming back to that question, I think. couple of tributes at the awards and Paul Merton did a, a, a very glowing tribute to uh, Alan Simpson of course one half of Goldman Simpson the uh, great great sitcom writers of the 50s 60s and 70s Hancock Steptoe and Son um, and uh, I was sort of talking to Paul after the event and he'd never been to a writers uh, award ceremony and he was very impressed with it uh, and he, he was sort of impressed by the sense of community and he made a point that I'd never thought of he said you know when you go to a, an actors or a drama award he says uh, you, you, they, they shine in their moment uh, but as soon as their award's done they lose interest and uh, hmm. it, 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 I thought that that's a kind of interesting thought about when you're writing your script um, you know the actor wants to uh, shine in their moment and you you're writing their moment for them but you're also you're writing the whole script so every every page uh you want all the actors to uh to look at their bit so that's the first thing they'll do is they'll go to their bit and uh if it excites them then you know they can't wait to get up the next the next morning and film your your piece so you are kind of actors shine in their moment but we writers we have to keep plodding on and we have to we have to shine every line so that's a, i thought that was a kind of it's a good, it's, it is a good thing to um to bear in mind and i've 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 made this point at some point in in the last few years about how you can be aware that you've not done that when an actor is basically asking that, asking you with justification, what is my motivation for this line? What's my character trying to do? And in the back of your mind, the thing you want to say is you are purely conveying information the audience needs to know and you are setting up a joke and uh, your character is not thinking anything. And that is poor writing, unfortunately. Um, every character needs to have the right motivation in every scene. And... Um, so it, that's why it, this is a hard game. It's a hard game to be in, but you do have to uh, motivate every character and motivate them all in every line, in every scene. Um, mm. And that's why it's so flipping exhausting. Even if the thing you're thinking of when uh, you're this character and your wife is having a meaningful, important discussion with you about something to do with the, uh, the health of your kids and something, and even if it actually the thing you're thinking about is... Oh God! I must remember to mow the lawn uh, tomorrow, uh, and that 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 gives that character an attitude. Um, yeah, and so it just just helps. It helps your writing yeah. to 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 know that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, what else have you got for us on your right? Well, the your last thoughts the last, from the Writers Guild Awards. 
uh, well, I suppose the, the, the main thing, uh, last thing I want to say is uh, your, your writing doesn't have to be about something, but it, it does help. Uh, it was interesting that a lot of the shows that were nominated, a lot of the things that won awards, uh, were about things that are going on at the moment uh, and I th- think things that are out there. And um, I'm not saying, oh, you know, just, just let's just... Uh, Pick, pick a topic and this is what I think about it, uh, it but you know we're, we're all we're all living in the moment we're all trying to kind of navigate our way through difficult issues um, but but they are issues of the moment and writers are very good people to show all sides of arguments so there was a there was a lot of stuff about uh, mental health uh, a lot of stuff about uh, sexism and misogyny uh, and, and, and you know they're, they're kind of it's it's when you're writing this kind of stuff you're you're working hard to work out what you want to say so if you're struggling to work out what to say then uh, you're not sure what you're going to say then that's good because the audience uh won't know you know that that, that's a good good thing if you're working it out as you go along so it, it, it is worth kind of looking at big issues and think what do i think how can i say how can i express this in a way that hasn't been expressed before Yes, and I think also you don't necessarily need to know what the the truth of the matter is, but you do need to create characters who probably think that they know. And yeah. and actually quite often, so, you know, I wrote this play called The God Particle about a vicar and a quantum physicist, and they, they're both relatively sure they know what the truth is when it comes to science and religion. And actually the truth is sort of somewhere in between uh, yeah. the two of them. Um, how close to one or the other is for both you to decide artistically but also personally and I think you don't necessarily therefore need to know the answers you're writing a show about the 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 balance between those things or the opposing forces that are at play and in a sense it's up to you I mean that's why one of my favorite my favorite sitcom of all time is yes prime minister and you can watch that and be on Humphrey's side or be on Hacker's side and it still works regardless of who you think the show is ultimately about. Um, yeah. And so the, you know, it is about the administrative, what is it? It is about the political will and the administrative won't. And both are political realities mm. and which, you know, and it's, so it's, it's such a great example of a show being about something, but it's not, exactly clear as to what exactly the the writers think and i think the writers yeah. between them thought different things well exactly um, that that's kind of what worked a similar thing with uh, dad's army and I, mean, I, I remember with yes minister thinking how much i loved yes minister because it, it yeah. sort of showed up government in all its uh, mm. sort of shocking ways and then to discover that margaret thatcher also liked yes minister uh, I thought, how dare she like the same program as me? That's impossible. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it, it's right that the, the two writers had the sort of different viewpoints, and, and similarly with uh, Dad's Army, uh, you had uh, Jerry, Jimmy Perry, who's very much uh, the, the, the the soldier, the private, and David Croft, who was officer class, and uh, yeah. that that's uh, that that show appeals to both sides because both sides were there very strongly uh, and yeah. I think that's one of the reasons for the enduring success of Dad's Army is that it still uh, it, I think it appeals equally to Brexiters and Remainers and that's yeah. probably why it still resonates uh, all yes. these years on as James yeah. keeps pointing out is that the 
most popular comedy show on the BBC, on BBC Two, has been for the last God knows how many years. Yeah. It is Dad's Army, yeah. It wins yeah. every time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it goes back to what we were saying to Maxine earlier about about working with somebody else, is that if you have those two different perspectives, you're naturally going to write some characters better than, than your writing partner because you identify maybe more... Uh, with them or you're able to exaggerate the failings of uh, the characters that you don't like and don't sympathize with um it's actually harder to make characters you agree with funny um so uh, and therefore i wonder if it's a good point what you're saying about writing being about uh the zeitgeist and stuff that's in the air and i think that that is important especially if you are a writer and not a writer performer um it may be that a way of of punching through the bias i think we now have towards writer performer is to rather than be the star of your show is to have uh to have an issue to be the star of your show so the show is about something and so that's how i'm that's how we got bluestone 42 on bbc3 and almost every other show on bbc3 at the time was a writer performer show and they you know they got josh and um things like that um not everyone not all shows but but many and so, you know, we had a show about bomb disposal in Afghanistan and what on earth are we doing there and what do the soldiers think they're doing there? And, you know, so we were and we researched a world and tried to present that world and all of the contradictions and absurdities of it. Yeah. And so in that sense, the story was the star of the show. Um, right. And therefore, it may be that if you're casting around for ideas or working out which of the ideas you've got, that you that you're going to commit time to maybe it's the idea that feels most of the moment um and that therefore your writing can shine um because you don't have a one man edinburgh show that will shine for you if that makes any sense yeah yep i think that's all good solid advice and um yeah so i think that's that's uh, enough advice to get you going through the new year and uh, yeah. through to your next commission whenever yes, it may indeed. come <laughs> or even your first commission um yeah. but uh but yeah no and i think the the other thing you wrote down um about uh, that in the notes is talking about notes and um the thing that the eric ernie and me uh, thing really reflects well going back to neil Forsyth's show is just that notes are just hard to get and yeah. eddie braben is beaten down with these notes in the show oh, brilliantly yes. played by um by stephen tonkinson yeah. And I watched I watched Eric Ernie and me with um, my wife, and she she has to live with me on the days that I get notes, <laughs> yeah. and she I think she found it quite cathartic because, you know, Eddie Braben's wife was having to live with a writer who was getting notes and sort of being beaten down and slightly yeah. wincing when the phone was ringing, and um, um, so yeah. uh, the yeah. boys would like you to make some changes. The producer yes, says yes. several times. <laughs> Anyway, I'm sure it's still on iPlayer if you have a look for it. It won't be there for long, so do do look it up uh, mm-hmm. and you will see a good portrayal of a writer's life, I think. Yeah. Um, so um, I think that's our show. I think so. Is that yes. about right? Yes. Actually, one last thing that I would say, the great thing about that show is that uh, it shows that comedy writers are great. We are fantastic people. <laughs> uh, thanks, Neil. And uh, thanks, BBC, for showing that as well. Great. Well, um, you can get in contact with us if you want to ask us questions by emailing sitcomgeeks at gmail.com. We yep. do actually read the emails, so do um, do get in touch. We're on Twitter at sitcomgeeks, and um, I'm at sitcomgeek, and Dave, you are at Cohen Dave. 
I am uh, Dave Cohen Comedy. And, oh, Dave uh, Cohen Comedy, sorry. Yes. And um, also we've got our Facebook page, which is Sitcom Geeks, surprisingly. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, um, so, um, and uh, you can read my book, which is called Writing That Sitcom, and you can get that via my blog, sitcomgeeks.blogspot.com. And Dave, you are writing a book at the moment, is that right? I am. I've got a new book coming out in June, and it's about writing comedy. Uh, it's called Funny Up. And so, Very uh, good. There'll be more. I'll be talking about that more uh, ad nauseum, I think, in the next six months. So, Excellent. <laughs> uh, yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> uh, so thanks very much for listening to this show, and um, speak to you next time. Bye. Bye.